coming to you from the FlexFox Fantasy Federation's World Broadcasting Headquarters in Ottawa. This is a very special episode of The Weekly Show. As always, I'm your host, Nick the Man Penner, and I'm joined by a, a real rogues gallery of panelists on today's show. We've got WizKid Jeremiah Johnson, we got Ian Stads, I guess, Stadelman, and finally, uh, joining us, and I believe making his weekly show debut, we have Richard Tillow, who is currently nicknamed this. So we'll have to resolve that at some point this episode. How's it going, guys? It's good. Good times. Sitting in my sweaty seat, as always. I've been on here before. I would be jealous. <laughs> Sorry, I, like, I'd be jealous to be sweaty, just because uh, yesterday was a bright day. Now I look like a tomato, and that's real fun. Ouch. It's good to be here again. We're glad to have you. Tillo, did we give you a, a nickname last time? I don't remember. That was like a year ago. Still something to work on, nonetheless. Let's go with the icon. I think he's the best. That works. I like it. He leads an alliance. That's pretty iconic. Uh, so we've got a, a big show for you, uh, jam-packed with content. Uh, and so uh, hopefully you guys are all enjoying uh, this week off for most teams. But I think it's important. This is, after all, the weekly show. we got to talk about the ongoing matchups. Uh, and that is the Community Shield matchup that's currently being waged between Cam and Jathish. Uh, so we can talk about that at the top of the show. Uh, and it's really not that close of a matchup. I know a lot of people were saying this was going to be a good shield year, that it, it was going to go down to the wire, but Jathish has been running away with it uh, so far, and there's little reason to believe he won't take it at the end of the, the two-week period. Uh, he is currently up 306.6 points to 212.6 for Cam. Uh, guys, what are you thinking about this extra special matchup? Well... Uh, I'm thinking that I want to know what the prize is, um, cause that's all I would care about. And I think that there's no, like, I don't know. I feel like this matchup is kind of overblown. A lot of people aren't interested. They just kind of, you know, take the week off. So I think it's hard to drum up interest in this. I don't know what you guys think. The fact that it's two mediocre teams, like not mediocre overall, just like playoff, but not that, that good makes it less interesting too. Yeah. It looks like. Cam's team is beat up, and yeah, I don't think there's a chance he comes back with all these injuries. Like, I think an interesting concept that we that the league should consider is like, what if we have like a vote in matchup for the Community Shield? Like, you know, like uh, two teams that the league votes want to face each other, right? And when the league just puts up like rivalry matchups, and then we pick between them or something. Yeah, I feel like we'd all just vote for Chris because he's so awesome, though, and he would just face himself. He could face me. I mean, I think there's a, a lot of different options for what you can do with the Community Shield week, and hopefully things will change in the future. Uh, but like looking at this matchup right now, I think it's fair to say that not only is it not fun, but it's a difficult position for these two teams to be in because everyone else is, you know, flaunting the the roster rules and taking advantage of this time to make trades. And these guys are are theoretically trying to play a competitive matchup. So it's sort of two different goals for the 18 teams compared to these two. Yeah, I mean, I, you got to wonder if like maybe pickup should be turned off for this kind of matchup, but uh, it's hard to feel too bad when you have a championship ring on one side and, you know, free prize money on the other. So I like that idea, Jeremiah, but if pickups were disabled, I feel like both Cam and Jatish would be the sort of people who'd find a way to abuse that. Yeah, yeah I, I can't disagree. 
Well, so with that recap completed, I think it's fair to move on to the meat and potatoes of this episode, uh, which is that obviously this is a, a week off, but it's a week of reflection. Uh, it's a time to look back at the way the season has gone and uh, where various teams stand. So first, we're going to take a look at uh, how teams have uh, fared so far. Uh, so I have randomized the league's 20 teams. We've got a completely random order for this episode. And so we're going to go uh, one by one through the different teams and uh, talk about how they've done so far this season. And the lucky number one, uh, based on this uh, list randomizer, is Mike Kaminsky. Uh, Kaminsky is currently sitting at 11-3. and three. He's second place in the redacted division. His big wins uh, have been his wins over uh, Ryan Neeson in week six, uh, Garth ne- Newton in week one, uh, and he has beaten RKR twice this season. Uh, his three losses came against Jamil, uh, and then he's lost each of the past two weeks to Tillo and Flex. Uh, so guys, looking at Kaminsky, how are we feeling about his team? What's been going on the last three weeks? He's gotten like under 220 points the last three weeks when before he was good he hasn't been trying these are maintenance weeks <laughs> i noticed in my matchup he didn't set his lineup he had kane who was on dl in the starting lineup and he didn't even get like four starts or something so is he actually lazy or is he just sandbagging though could be a busy businessman it's hard to say i mean there is something to be said i think for on purpose not on purposely but coming second in that division uh, could actually yield a better playoff matchup, I suppose, depending on who the matchups are. Like maybe he just isn't interested in the competitive spirit of the di- division race. That's fair. I mean, looking at Kaminsky's team, uh, I think he's got himself a, a good roster. But uh, with the trade deadline approaching, I think he's a team that could probably benefit from adding a piece or two. I, I think he hasn't been as active in the trade market as other owners, and he should probably uh, change that if possible. Yeah, but that's always been Mike's like downfall or kryptonite in terms of his managerial skills has been like his activity, but I think it's also coupled with the fact that he just has extremely high prices on his players. Yeah, I figure he could trade away Miggy uh, for like a reliever, which would be not good value, but Miggy won't help him win a ring. <sighs> yeah, and I mean, I, I think Mike is just one of those people that like there's players on his roster that he'll never trade you and the players that he will trade you you either don't want or you don't want as badly as the price it costs. And I just think Mike would have like an aneurysm trading Miguel Cabrera for like some relief pitcher. Mm. Uh, Okay. So moving on to our second team, next up we have Jamil. Uh, Jamil is currently eight and six sitting in second place in the Jeffrey jungle. Uh, His big wins include beating Kaminsky in week four, Cam McInnes in week six and beating myself in week 12. Uh, some of his crucial losses include losing to Jeremiah in Week 3, uh, losing to Ian in Week 10, and uh, losing to, uh, let's say, Jeffrey Lim in Week 2. Uh, that's got to hurt. Uh, what are our thoughts on Jamil? Um, Jamil's most successful achievement this season has been making an alliance. So there's that. But I think he's one of those active managers that is trying to improve his team. And I think he's made some moves recently, right? Like he got David Price. Um, I forget what else he did. He made another trade too. Yeah, I mean, but... Jamil has been super active in the market lately, and uh, that could be seen as a good thing, or it could be seen as you know, sort of too little, too late. If I was Mike or Flex or Jeremiah, I wouldn't be scared of his 
Yeah. Attilo, how do you feel about this? Like, are you scared of Jamil? Uh, sorry, I had to get my charger from my computer. No worries. Okay. Um, I like the changes he made to his team. Um, I'm not really scared, though. He doesn't, his pitching's really bad. Oh, shit. Well, I mean, yeah, to address I his comment, will he, will he plugs the charger in? Um, so, I mean, like, Jamil's pitching is not amazing, and I think that's, you know, something everybody knows. But I also think that, you know, if there's one guy who's going to do something about it, it'll be him. So it's hard to say what'll happen. Well, so moving on now to our third team, we've got Ash Sebastian and the Moneyballers. Uh, at the present time, Ash is sitting at 3-11. and 11. Uh, that's good for fourth place in twice the division. Uh, his wins so far this season, all three of them, uh, have been against Aiden, Ian, uh, and most recently Jathish. Uh, and he's lost to basically everyone else. Uh, and so that's why he's 3-11. Uh, where do we sit on Ash? I feel worse for losing to Ash than losing to Joe. That's how bad I feel this season. I mean... I, I don't know. I don't know if that's necessarily a fair shake. Like, I think he has a lot of promising prospects in his system. I think his bats are really good. His pitching is obviously probably the worst in the league, but I'm sure he knows this, and the ability to actually change it is probably more difficult than we'd all think. Once Ryan starts rebuilding, he'll shift all the pitchers to his uh, non-farm team. I mean, in terms of sort of core assets, I think Ash is doing much better than his record would indicate. You know, he's got Hoskins, he's got Baez, uh, Gary Sanchez is great at the catcher position. But like in terms of anything beyond that, his team sucks and there's not been a a real trend of getting better there. So you got to wonder for Ash in the future what his plan is and if there really is a, a formula for him to get out of this sort of downward spiral he seems to be in. Well, I mean, I think we're underselling a little bit the value of like an Eloy Jimenez or a, a Shane Bieber type player. Like he has players in a system that could be star players. I mean, could be obviously being the operative word, but I mean, it's not all bleak and rainy in terms of his outlook. I think he just needs to wait. Uh, and I guess enough said on Ash. Uh, so moving on to our fourth owner, uh, we have RKR, owner of the Bash Brothers. Uh RKR currently sits in uh, fifth or last in the redacted division with a record of five and nine. Uh, when you look at the results from his season so far, he's got wins over teams like uh, Aiden and Chow and uh, Lim, but he's got losses to people like Flex and Kaminsky and Tillo. Uh, so that's, uh, I think, a, a pretty fair outcome. What do we think of RKR and his team? Um, I mean, this is like, this is not even a hot take, but I think RKR's team long-term is in a much worse place than Ash's team. Um, and I think it's kind of just to be expected. Like he's lost to good teams and he's beaten bad teams. So that's just kind of his outlook, right? Um, it's going to be a while. I feel like his record this year, what he should have gotten last year if Voodoo Magic hadn't happened. I mean, I think in one sense, uh, you could say that RKR has, you know, the most important work to do at the trade deadline because he's got a bunch of guys that teams would be interested in and teams would want to acquire. But, I mean, he's going to need to work to to move guys to get those prospects and, and draft picks back. And 
turn these guys who are, are good now but aren't helping him into assets for the future. This is just like a general assessment I've had, but I find the market for a lot of fringy players that in years past would have some value in like picks or re- relief pitchers or prospects or whatever, they're extremely hard to sell to people, I think. Um, so I think he's going to have an uphill climb in terms of getting value for his players. I mean, I think yes and no. I think obviously you want to sort of maximize the value you get back. But at the end of the day, like just holding on to a guy, especially a guy that's not going to be a keeper for you, it doesn't get you anything. And so sometimes it's better off to, to take a lower grade deal than to, you know, just sit on your hands and wind up with exactly nothing. Yeah, no, I agree with you. Do you think a team like this should be aiming for Europa and like trying to do some stuff there or sort of going full tank and trying to win the Vaz? I mean, at this point, I think it would be hard for RKR to get into the Vaz. So I think he's maybe better off focusing on Europa, but Europa is going to be competitive too. So I think he's sort of stuck in the middle between those two options. And like, I also just don't believe that winning the Vaz is a path to success. Like you get the first overall pick in the prospect draft, but like based on the prospects that are coming up in this year's draft, there's enough depth for him to make smart picks at like the fifth or sixth position. So, I mean, being stuck in no man's land is fine if he has good drafting skills, right? I'm going to quote you on this. Okay. Uh, Okay. So we got to move on to our next team, uh, which just so happens to be Ian. Uh, Ian's team, the Chad School, is currently fourth in the redacted division with a 7-7 and record, sitting at 500. Uh, some big wins that have come this season for Ian uh, have been his defeat of Tillo in Week 4, uh, and then a couple big wins recently, including uh, taking down Ryan in Week 12 and Chris in Week 13. Uh, some losses that he's probably not feeling too good about, the aforementioned loss to Chow in Week 7, uh, and then losses against Kaminsky and Flex uh, also result in Ian currently sitting at a, an even perfectly balanced record, so I guess the the first question should be to Ian. How do you feel about your team right now? I feel like uh, I'm going to make the playoffs this year, um, assuming nothing goes wrong, which it will. So I'm probably also going to make Europa. But my schedule was really strong towards the front of my season, uh, losing to Chow and Ashert, but I still think I can make playoffs here. Um. I'm going to disagree with the sentiment. I, I don't know. I don't know your schedule. So like, I'm not going to say you absolutely cannot, but I think it's more likely than not that you would not. Um, but that's not to say you couldn't make trades. I think if you want to make the playoffs, you could, but it would cost you high minors prospects. And so that's kind of like the interesting thing about your team is what are you going to do with all the high minors players you have? Uh, well, I'm certainly not going to trade away like the best of the best for crappy pitchers like some people say I should have but uh otherwise it's TBD yeah I'm back guys <laughs> uh, <laughs> sorry technical difficulties um but yeah I've been listening and uh I think the team depends on Otani or how whether he pitches again he missed a couple couple like uh, games so I don't know if he's batting I think he missed like five games in a row against lefties so Interesting to see what happens with him. Yeah, I wish he could still pitch. And I wish Jimmy Nelson could pitch. But injuries happen. What can you do? Uh, 
so next up in this rundown, we've got Garth M. Uh, the Stubby Clap Clappers are currently 8-6, and six, sitting in third in the Evil Division of Evil, and in fact holding down a wild card spot. That's a, a recent development for this team. Uh, when you look at the, the schedule Garth M. has played, he doesn't really have a ton of big wins, uh, but he has been on a hot streak heading into this break week. Uh, beating Chris Ryan and myself in successive weeks. Uh, teams he's lost to include Respect for the Game uh, and Jathij and Jeremiah in week one. So uh, a couple of understandable losses, some would say. Uh, I know Garth M obviously isn't going to listen to this and certainly won't take any advice we would have. Uh, but how do we feel about him and his team? I think you made a great point. He hasn't beaten a single team with a positive record. Well, I mean, man's a bulldozer lately. Like he's been putting up solid 300 point performances, and uh, I think this is—I think long term his team is great. Like he's got so many good guys coming up, like Mitch Keller and Tristan McKenzie, and uh, Glaber Torres is already up. So the future for the Clappers looks bright. But uh, you know, I think the real impressive thing is that Cam's managing three teams right now, and that's just insane. Yeah, this is one of the teams I don't want to face in the playoffs. If he gets the right starts, he can do a lot of, he can score a lot of points. So, I mean, I think I'm probably a little bit biased here, but I don't think Garth M is a team that scares me that much in the sense that when he's hot, he's hot, and when he's not, he's not. He's got a bunch of real streaky guys, and you can see that in his schedule uh, and his results so far this season. I mean, lately he's had a, a bunch of good performances, but before then he was putting up, you know, a bunch of mid-100 weeks, which really isn't going to scare anyone. So I think at the present time he's gotten on a, a bit of a good luck streak, but he's got some injuries now, and I think his team is going to naturally slow down a little bit as we move into the, the final stretch. And I think it might even be a struggle for him to, to make the playoffs at all. I agree with that last part. I mean, the only thing with that, though, is like all it takes is for him to get cold for a little bit, but then like make a run at the end of the season and just carry it through the playoffs to go to the finals. Like depends when you get hot, right? Like just because you get hot and cold doesn't mean you can't get hot at the right time. It's just less likely. I mean, that's true, but I, I think maybe he's using up all his hotness right now and won't have any left at the end of the season, you know? I hope so. Uh, so next up in our rundown, purely by coincidence, we've got Garth Newton. Uh, Garth Newton, of course, owner of A Measure of Force, uh, a team sitting third in the redacted division at 8-6. and six. Uh, Looking at Newton's results from the season, he had a, a lot of good results early on, beating guys like Cam and Ryan and uh, Chris Kennedy, but he's lost to some teams recently, including Tillo and Akusia and Ian. Uh, so looking at the sort of whole picture of Garth Newton, where do we see him and his team? <sighs> Um, you think he makes playoffs? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do. I, yeah, I think he makes it in as like a wild card. He's currently out, and he has three matchups against Flex, Mike, and Phil. Yeah, I mean, the remaining matchups he has are sort of a, a a gift and a curse. In that, if he can win, he's taking down teams that are ahead of him in the standings, uh, and that can help boost him up a little bit. Yeah, no, I agree. I didn't know he played Flex and Mike two or three more times. Like I thought he had more of an easier schedule than that, but I still believe in the man. I've been on the bandwagon all year, so I'm not going to hop off now. I think he's got it. I mean, I've I've really praised Garth Newton's ability to get things done in unconventional ways and take chances on guys other people aren't interested in, so really finding value. And I think that's all true. 
Uh, but I think the gap between him and some of the other teams has narrowed a little bit. Uh, and some of the guys who were really outperforming expectations are now just sort of performing expectations. Uh, and that's hurt him, but I, I think it remains to be seen if that's going to affect him in the long run. Yeah, his, his pitching isn't really good, so... But, I don't know, it's kind of weird that he's, like, making these all-in moves with Reyes, Urias, and Lamette on DL. Like, you have a lot of young talent. But, yeah, I don't know. I don't, I'm not really a believer in this bullpen-heavy strategy when your bats are so bad. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. I... I just want to think that he'll find a way, but I don't know what assets he has left even to put into a deal to make his team better. Well, he has Reyes and Julio Urias. So. Yeah. He he won't move those guys, so. Yeah. So you're like in between a win now and uh, and like rebuilding, so I don't know what he's, what's up with that. Uh, so moving on to our next team, uh, we've got Respect for the Game, the team owned by the league where we're all sort of owners in, in this one. Uh, and Respect for the Game is currently 6-8 and eight in 5th or last place in the Evil Division of Evil. Uh, looking at Respect for the Game, uh, I mean, they've gotten some big wins, the, the team has, uh, including beating Garth McInnes twice uh, and uh, notching a win over Aiden. Uh, but there have been some losses in there too. Uh, lost to all basically all the major powers, Jeremiah, Jamil, Cam, uh, so the the team hasn't really been able to take down a, a top dog yet. But what do we think of respect for the game, sort of as a an overall franchise? I think it's really strong. I think as a team overall, like it's it's got a lot of young key pieces. Like we all forget Corey Seager's out. Um, its pitching is probably not where it needs to be, but it's it's bats for sure are there. Top top five maybe. Um, so I think with some proper management and some additional assets from the draft this year. Could be really good next year. Could make the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, I think in a in a lot of ways, respect for the game is sort of filling a, a role that's needed in the league uh, in terms of being a good but not great team. Uh, and like Cam has maintained, it's designed to challenge people but not necessarily go all the way or anything. So I think it's it's been well run in that sense. And whoever inherits this team next year is probably going to get a, a team that's ready to make the next step and, and possibly uh, take it uh, to the playoffs in the future. Looking at its weekly scores, it seems like it's very much like a bar to cross. Pretty much all of its weeks are between like 200 and 220 points or something. So you'll beat it if you actually don't suck that week. But if you have a bad week, you're going to lose it. And it's so consistent that I wonder if Cam is purposely like taking his foot off the gas pedal some weeks. uh, Just so it doesn't get too late. Well, I mean, Cam came on the podcast like a while ago and said that he was bent on making the team competitive. So I don't think he takes his foot off the gas uh, in a week, per se. I just think the team is remarkably consistent. Yeah, if I was a new owner, I'd be happy if I was getting this team. It's already already middle of the pack, and you have a lot of young guys that could be really good. So, Do you think this team is better than the ones that Chris, RKR, and I got last year? Yes. Yeah, with Albies yeah. and Mazar, you have a lot of young bats that are really good. So Suarez is really yeah. good. Seekers, a really good young player. I mean, I think there there's, could be a, a bit of a, a shuffle of talent before the new expansion, or not expansion, but re-owned teams are owned. But I think this is a, a very strong lineup for a team. Uh, so our next owner up, we've got 
Chris, uh, who I would say uh, obviously beloved by all of us here, uh, but also probably the most polarizing uh, team in the league so far this season. Uh, Chris is 7-7, seven and seven, which is good enough for third in the Jeffrey Jungle. Uh, he started off the year with a lot of big wins, beating uh, Jamil, restarted the game in flex, uh, but then suffered some tough losses, uh, including falling to uh, Ian and Tillo and Kaminsky. Uh, and so now it's sort of a, a stuck in the middle situation where Chris is seven and seven, but uh, I mean, Chris seems to have a, a bunch of faith in this team. Uh, I think the question is, do you guys? No. Um, some backstory during my matchup, it was very one-sided. If you'll cast your minds back to week one, I think he sat everybody against Jamil on the final day. And I was going to do that, but uh, Cam told me not to. So you heard it here first. League management is killing fun. Otherwise, they would have disrespected the fuck out of him. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't, I don't buy into Chris being a playoff team or even a strong Europa team. I think his team is just the definition of mediocre. Yeah, I think Chris is another team who, uh, if he was willing to sell off at the trade deadline, could recoup a bunch of assets. And, you know, he has some some good core guys for the future. Uh, Freddie Freeman, Didi Gregorius. So it's not like his team is hopeless, but there's just a, a lot of pieces on this team that really aren't helping that much. Yeah, and it, he doesn't really trade much either. I don't remember the last time he made a trade. So he's not really making moves. Yeah... Yeah, I mean, he. I don't want to say he's not active because he'll get all upset. But, um, you know, he's not the trade. He's not like ripping off trades every week to try to make his team better. I just think he he's just content with the way it's going. So, and I think we can all agree that even if he isn't active, it's quality over quantity. Uh, so our next owner up is our first division leader, uh, because we've got Jeremiah, who is fourteen and zero at the head of the evil division of evil. Uh, looking at his results so far, he has beaten everyone and lost to no one. Uh, so, Jeremiah, I mean, you got to be feeling pretty good about your team right now, right? Yeah, trying to go 19-0. It's not going to happen, but we're going to try. Yeah. I definitely bet that it happens right now, like, if odds are even. Like, what would it be worth, though, to go 19-0 and just to, like, lose in the semifinals or, like, the finals or... Even the first round, like whatever. What would that be worth? Yeah, you might want to lose one just so you don't get memed. <laughs> Patriots memes everywhere. 2007 Patriots. Yeah. So, I I don't know. It's fun to it's fun to like try to run the table though. Like I don't know if we've had a someone go this close to to going undefeated. I don't know though. I mean, Jeremiah, I I think we're good enough friends that I can speak frankly here. I would say your biggest. Uh, potential stumbling block right now is you tinkering with your team too much like it's a really good team that's taking you a long way but you seem insistent on making lots of moves i mean the the jose ramirez trade just being the most recent example so uh, i think i would caution you maybe slow it down a little bit at the trade deadline and just sort of uh, accept the good fortune you've had so far and and trust what dance with the one that brought you as the saying is sound advice uh, so our next owner up is Ryan. Uh, Ryan is interestingly enough, uh, I think something no one would have predicted at the start of the season, uh, six and eight, uh, but that's still good for second place in twice the division. 
when you look at how he ended up with a, a sub 500 record, uh, I mean, he had a, a bunch of losses early in the season uh, against guys like Cam and Aiden uh, and some in the middle of the season too. Uh, against Ian and, and Garth McInnes, but he does have wins over myself and Jatish and uh, Akusia, so it's not like he's uh, been a total wash this season, but where do we stand on Ryan? Um, I think he can make the playoffs, but it's it's like one of those things where he would have to make a couple more deals. He'd have to basically run the table, which, I mean, based on the names on his roster alone, you have to think is a possibility. I mean... Obviously, Ryan has had a bunch of bad luck this season. Uh, and like you said, based on the names on his roster, he should be doing better than he is. But I think on the other hand, at a certain point, you have to wonder if there's a reason behind that bad luck. And maybe he's picked streakier guys, or maybe some of his pitches are more inconsistent than uh, you really need in fantasy. And so I, I think at a certain point, you have to sort of reassess and say, why is Ryan so bad? Well, injuries, <laughs> mopey attitude. Yeah, injuries play a big part of it, I think, and underperformance, and he had a large farm system to start the year instead of like maybe shaping his roster to go all in. Still think he can make the playoffs, though. No, I do too. I Madbone is back. Uh, McCullers might be an issue because the innings limit, if they limit his innings, but Springer's is going to bounce back for sure. So I still think he makes the playoffs, but it's he's going to need every matchup. Well, so next up, we've got our second division leader. Uh, that's right. It's Flex Fox. Uh, the Congo Community College is 12-2, and two, which is good for first place in the redacted division. Uh, looking at Flex's results to date this season, I mean, he's beaten basically all comers. He's beaten Ryan. He's beaten uh, Tillo. He's beaten Kaminsky now. Uh, but his two losses did come against Chris Kennedy and, interestingly enough, Jeffrey Chow. Uh, so that's how he got to 12-2. and two. Uh, I think the consensus is Flex is uh, at least one of the favorites to win the league this season. Uh, how do you guys feel about that assessment? Uh, I think Flex can stop listening now. But uh, Bryce Harper wins the home run derby in like a ridiculous fashion. So if Bryce Harper gets going off this, then who knows how Flex's team will go. I mean, it could be another finals trip, right? I could definitely believe this team making it to the finals. It might also have a relatively half there. Um, Cool. Yeah, this team's really good. I'm just looking at it right now. I think it's better than mine. So, <laughs> but uh, yeah, he's a contender. Yeah, I mean, I think the the debate has been whether this is Flex's best team ever or whether he was better last year or a year or two ago. But the fact remains, this is a very solid team, and I mean, it's a, a favorite for a reason at this point. There aren't a lot of holes in this lineup. No, and I mean, I just question. Um, like I, I don't even question it. I just think Flex is like sneaky with trades, right? Like when he makes a trade, it's kind of out of the blue. Everyone kind of talks about it or whatever, but it's usually like a sound decision and something that helps him short and long term. So, I mean, if there's anyone that you can trust to push more chips in the middle, I mean, it's him. Um, but what does he even need? I don't know. He made me some very competitive offers for Gaddis. Um, I didn't take them because it was mostly picks, but still, it, he definitely uh, almost got him. And I feel like catcher is his only real bad weakness at this point. Uh, so our next owner up is Jathish. Uh, Rockin' Jath is currently 8-6 and six and sitting at second place in Evil Division of Evil and holding down a playoff spot at present. 
when you look at his results so far this season, he's gotten uh, some good quality wins over people like uh, Chris Kennedy, Cam, uh, and Respect for the Game. Uh, but he's had some losses against some of the, the real higher-up teams in the league, including Ryan, Jeremiah, and Jamil uh, in consecutive weeks between Week 7 and 9. Uh, so obviously, Jathish is very much in the mix for a playoff spot. How do we feel about his team? Like, if someone has to come out for Ryan to make it or Newton to keep their playoff spot, like, I feel like it would be Jathish. Yeah. People always say that Jathish is a good owner, and I never really understood what they meant because, like, he never wins. <laughs> but, uh, roasted. Recently, like, now that I've been, like, really paying attention to fantasy, like, I notice he's really quick on pickups. Like, I'll try to pick someone up, and I see that he picked them up, like, 10 minutes ago or something. So, he, like, I, I, he's a really good owner now that I see it. So, yeah, I think he'll, I think he'll make the playoffs. I feel if he makes it, he'll have earned it. He faces both Garth, Nick, and respect for the game still. Like, if he beats those teams, he deserves to be there. Uh, I don't think it's a secret that there's no real love lost between Jathish and myself. Uh, but looking at his team, I really don't see him as a, a playoff team. I mean, he's got some good guys. He's got guys who have been productive. Uh, but he's just got a ton of holes. His his rotation is a mess right now with injuries and uh, when you look at his bats, there are a, a couple of places where he really needs to pick it up. So unless he's planning on making a bunch of moves at the deadline, really going all in on this team, I just think that he's going to get passed uh, and will probably fall out of a, a playoff position to someone uh, more more serious about committing to a playoff path. I agree. I think that's a fair take. And I think, I mean, even if he gets in, I just don't see him doing anything. So... I just see it as, as like a one-dimensional road for him. Uh, so our next owner up is Aiden. Aiden is currently 3-11, and but that's still good enough for third in twice the division. Uh, Aiden's wins have come against Ryan, uh, Akusia, and Ian, uh, and his losses have come against everyone else, including both Garth, Newton, and McInnes. Uh, respect for the game, Ryan. Uh, I mean, 11 losses. There's a, a lot to pick from here. Uh, how do we feel about Aiden and his team? Like, why isn't he sold off yet? I guess is my question. He has high prices on everything. I've talked to him a couple times. Like, this isn't surprising. Like, I've I've been, I mean, I can relate. He gives horrible offers. But, like, at what point are you like, I need to get something for these players because my current roster is garbage. Like, three and 11, like do something like sell Conforto or fam or whoever you want to sell. Um, and kind of, I, I don't know, stock the cupboard and, and do something, I guess. Like, I mean, I think in a lot of ways, there's sort of uh, a mentality with Aiden that he thinks he's going to be a lot better next season and that he doesn't actually have to change too much to have a different outcome. And I think there's maybe some basis for that if you look at his schedule. Like, he has had a, a number of close losses, and, you know, with a little bit better luck, he could do better next season. But at the same time, looking at the assets he has, he really does not have that much overall in terms of volume, so... Uh, I do think that selling off is the correct option for him to take. Yeah, and like, okay, like three and eleven, and you're expecting some regression to the to the mean. If you're Aiden, that's fine. But like Garrett, or yeah, Garrett Richards is having Tommy John. Um, you know, you have other other players in your rotation who have some arm injuries. Your offense is 
could be better. You know, maybe you expect some regression, but I just don't see this becoming suddenly a, a 12 and 17 next year making the playoffs. Uh, so next up in this rundown, uh, owner number 15 is the league's newest owner. It's Akusia, uh, who took over from an owner who will not be named. Uh, and so far is 2-12 and 12 on the year. Uh, those two wins coming in weeks 12 and 14 against Garth Newton and Ash, respectively. Uh, and then just a bunch of other losses uh, early on, of course, when Akusia wasn't controlling the team, but then continuing into presence. So... Uh, she is currently two and twelve. Uh, obviously, uh, if not completely eliminated from the playoffs, very close to it. So I guess the question is, what uh, should Akusia be looking at going forward? Uh, I think her team is pretty good and it's being managed well. Finally, uh, she's going to beat Ryan next week. I think she's going to be a real contender at Europa after she picks up a couple more wins. In the- uh, yeah, I would also agree. Akusia has done well with what she's inherited, and she's cleared out a, a ton of crap from this team, which is step number one. Uh, she doesn't have a ton of weapons on offense uh, right now, or a ton of good pitchers for that matter, but I think that's to be expected with a, a team with her record. And so I think right now it's just about asset consolidation and trying to get the best keeper slate possible going into next year. Well, I think, uh, not to double back here, but if we let this sink in, like, Aiden has one more win than this. And Akusia didn't even pick up the team until partway through. So when you got a team like this, I think she has prospects that are that are okay. She, like you were just saying, I think that's a good point. If she can consolidate assets and, and keep like five or six really good keepers and then just try to pick up guys who get value next year, the team could be better. Now, will she own the team next year? I, I don't know. Yeah, there are pieces that could be moved. Shipling could probably get a good return. Uh, Yeah, we'll see. Uh, So our next owner is yours truly. Uh, The man is currently 7-7, sitting in fourth place in the evil division of evil. Uh, Looking at my season to date, I've had some good wins over uh, Jathish. Uh, I've beat Jamil, beat Chris Kennedy, but uh, some tough losses there against Ryan and Jeremiah and most recently Garth McInnes. So uh, all works out to me being seven and seven. Uh, I'll let you guys uh, talk about me first and then maybe chime in afterwards, I think. (laughs) Okay. Um, Well, I mean, this is just kind of like another consistency thing. And we've talked about this on the the show, I guess, off and on that like you'll, you'll have really big highs of 300 points and then you know, some really big letdowns, I think. And so um, if you can get hot, then I think you're a playoff team. If you can get some some consistency down the stretch. But if you don't, then obviously I don't think that you are. Yeah, I, I think this is Europa. And Jacob deGrom is going to come back down to earth at some point. Yeah, you still have a good team. But um, yeah, it might be time to rebuild. <laughs> I mean, so from my perspective, I I think if you'd told me at the start of the season that at this point I would be 7-7 seven and seven with games remaining against the teams ahead of me in the playoff standings, like I would have taken that every time. Uh, I remember back in the preseason, people were saying I was going to finish last in this division that I was, you know, destined for the, the Vase even. So uh, I'm very happy that didn't come to fruition. Uh, I think the, the, the point about needing more consistency from the, the team is a valid one. Uh, I've been looking to make some uh, hopefully solid additions to the pitching staff and and turn things around there a little bit. Uh, but I don't think it's quite rebuild time yet. I, I think I still got a, a lot of life left in me, and 
it'll be a, a hopefully a fight to the finish for the man. And uh, I I love that sort of drama coming into the last weeks of the season. Why do you think you're so freaking inconsistent, though? Is it just pitching? You sometimes get two ground starts. And that's like an extra 20 points or what? I, a lot of it has been pitching so far. I mean, I've got starters who will go out one night and throw, you know, negative seven points, but then the next throw 20. So uh, it's really hard to predict even which pitchers I should be starting in a given week. It's hard to play those matchups. But uh, part of that has been a, a little bit of the hitting, although that's gotten better lately. So I think mostly it is the the starting pitching and just trying to get some starters who are, you know, even if they have less of a ceiling, just have more of a floor. Uh, but so we can move on now to our third division leader. We've got Cam McInnes, uh, who is at the top of twice the division with a 10 and four record. Uh, that's a, a good four games ahead of Ryan. If you were trying to keep track of that, uh, if you look at his wins on the season, he's gotten uh, a lot of good ones uh, against teams like RKR and uh, Garth McInnes. And yes, he even beat himself when he played respect for the game. Uh, but he's had some tough losses, too, against guys like Kaminsky and Jeremiah. And even Jathish, uh, he lost one there. Uh, so when we look at uh, the Cam McInnes season so far, what are our thoughts? I mean, I think his team's really good. I think he just had injuries at the beginning of the season. And he was able to shed Cano. And, um, yeah, I think his team is almost back to the point where it was last year, where you could say you were genuinely afraid to face him on a weekly basis. I firmly disagree. This has first round playoff loss written all over it. Like, I would put money on that being a state. It's going to uh, come third or fourth and run into a hot mic or a flex or something. Yeah, I agree. I just his pitching isn't as strong as like years past, and he does have like better hitting with Blackman and Chu than he had before, but. I don't know, it's just his bullpen. He doesn't have the bully pen anymore. It's like Ken Giles got sent down, and he has a lot of like mediocre closers and Parker. And yeah, I don't know. I'm not really buying this team. Yeah, I think it's fair to say that Cam is uh, definitely a step back from where he was this time last season. Uh, he has not put up a ton of high point totals, but I would point out that he's basically topped 300 points the last three weeks. So maybe things are turning around now, uh, despite the, the current Community Shield performance. And uh, I think, you know, with Cam, there's always uh, he always finds a way. Uh, he's got a trade deadline coming up, and that's a time when he tends to thrive. So... I wouldn't count out Cam just yet, but uh, I think you are right that he isn't quite in the, the same tier as the other real contenders right now. Well, I think the the one interesting thing that I, I will note, though, is that like you guys say he could run into like a hot mic or a hot flex. Well, if he wins his division, he's on the side of the draw with me, right? So he would face like a wildcard team or, or whoever, and his second round matchup would be whoever won my me versus whoever, right? So... He wouldn't actually face Microflex, depending on if they were a wild card or not, I guess, right? No, I I, I think he will. He's going to be the lowest right. vision leader, which means he's going to oh, be okay. the four seed. And he's going to face the fifth seed, which is going to be Microflex. Uh, no, that that's well, the, the way the playoff format works, he would be in the, the tough customer bracket, right? Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah. He'd be the two seed, right? So he's going to face you. Yeah, he presumably he would be the lower division winner, meaning he would face the conference, whatever you call it. 
the green one well, on the standings. Yeah, which is like Newton or somebody right now. Oh, no, it's not Newton. It's... Right right now it's Jathish. Yeah. It could be Jathish, Gartham, myself, yeah. Ryan, maybe. Like a winnable matchup is my point. And then he would go on to face the winner of me versus whoever I faced. So... Because they're on the other side, right? Flex and Mike are in the the other bracket. Yeah. So that's all. Unless, unless one of them drops down to wild card status, which doesn't seem like it's happening. So that's all I'm saying is that it's unlikely he would run into a team like that. But maybe he runs into another hot team. So I stand extremely corrected. That said, you just said he would face Jadish, and he's losing that matchup pretty badly right now. That's true. So take it. Yeah, they, there can be hot wild cards on both sides of the, the bracket. Uh, but so uh, we have to talk about Lim still. Lim is currently sitting at 3-11, and 11, which is fourth in the Jeffrey Jungle. Uh, when you look at his results this season, he's gotten wins against Jamil, myself, uh, and Jeffrey Chow. Uh, and his losses have come against everyone else, including but not limited to Respect for the game, uh, Chris Kennedy, uh, and Garth McInnes. So uh, he's got a, a bunch of L's that he's taking, but where do we stand on Lim? For the record, I've never known what the fuck Lim is up to. Not once in a year and a half. I think it's really hard to be a team that's in the bottom echelon of this league. Like, I think it's it's really tough. Like, you, you don't have a lot of talent. It's kind of demoralizing. You don't have... I mean, Lim has prospects at least, but like it's if you don't have prospects, you're really fucked. And you're just waiting to get prospects to turn into other players or to grow them or whatever. I, I just think it's really boring. Like it could take like years to rebuild in this league if you like are really bad. Yeah, but you could there's still things you can do, like picking up believers when they when you hear news or something and trading them for picks or like a lot of small gains you can get by being just by being active. Um, I just feel like he hasn't done that looking at his bullpen. It's just, you could probably pick people up there better than some of these guys. So, Yeah, I, I think Tillo's really right that it, a lot of it comes down to these sort of minor moves. But, I mean, lest we forget, Lim is, was the league finalist. Uh, he finished second in 2014, so he's had a, a real come down from there. And uh, I think you really have to ask some questions about his long-term plans and his management ability because it really doesn't seem like he's stockpiling future assets at the moment. He's just sort of circling the drain, as it were. If Lim was the baseball team, he'd be the Baltimore Orioles. Harsh but fair. He'd be like the Royals if they didn't win the World Series. He'd be the Orioles without Machado. Uh, So before we completely bury Lim, we've got another level to drop down to because next up is Jeffrey Chow. Uh, The league disgrace is currently 2-12, last in the Jeffrey Jungle. His two wins this, this season have come against Ian and Flex. Uh, and his losses have come against all the other teams, whether by his own hand or otherwise. Uh, looking at Chow, I mean, we've all talked about him to death at this point, but uh, anyone got anything they'd like to say about him? Kudos to you for getting like a top five dynasty player, or not that much. He's a pleasurable guy to talk to. I don't know. He, he's not a bad guy. Maybe a villain or a bad manager, but not a bad guy. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't think he's a bad guy per se either. Uh, very disappointed with how he's handled the season. Uh, I think the results speak for themselves, and uh, it's going to be really disappointing for everyone if this team ends up winning the, the Vaz. 
I think it would have been interesting if he just did like something more gimmicky. Like the other year when he won the title, he was like all players over 30. Like, why didn't he just try to win with like all first year players or, or something like do something like gimmicky again. Like he just got, I don't know if he's bored or whatever, but. I mean, I said it once and I stand by it. I think Chow is just genuinely afraid that he isn't that good anymore. Uh, and that's why he didn't take on a serious gimmick because it's easier to lose and pretend like, oh, it was on purpose than it is to actually try and win and fail genuinely. That's harsh. Uh, well, on that harsh note, let's move on to our final team in this 20-team wrap-up and our final division leader because it is uh, Richard Tillo, the owner of... Uh, part of the Husan Alliance uh, and first place in the Jeffrey Jungle with a 10 and 4 record. Uh, Tillo has beaten such uh, teams as Jathish, uh, myself, and Chris Kennedy. Uh, he's also lost to teams including Jeremiah, Flex, uh, and Jamil. Uh, so there have been some losses in there for you, Tillo. But I mean, when you look at your team right now, how are you feeling about it? Uh, team's kind of, it's okay. Uh, I still have a lot of holes. Like I don't third base, Brandon Crawford, shortstop. He's been playing good, but I think he's overperforming. Um, but I'm really consistent. I think I scored between two ten to like three ten all my games, so I'm scoring around the same. So I'm only losing to good teams, like you said, Jamil. I think beat me. Then wait, didn't Ian beat me one? Okay, I don't know how that happened, but yeah, <laughs> but uh. My bullpen's really good, so I don't know. It's um, I think I can contend. I'm not really trying to win this year, though. So, yeah, I mean, I think when I look at your team, you've got a, a good team. You definitely deserve the ten and four record you have. Uh, I think uh, there's an argument that you know, if you get hot and uh, you get some good pitching performances out of sort of your lower end guys, then you could be doing really well come playoff time. But uh, I think uh, if you if you feel that maybe this isn't your year to win it all then I think sort of focusing on a, a two-year plan and, and sort of bridging into 2019 that way is a, a smart way to go, especially with the trade deadline coming up. I don't know. I disagree that uh, you shouldn't really go for this, Tillo. Like, your team is very good, and no one should ever feel complacent against you. You faced Jeremiah. Yes, you lost, but by 25 points, that's a couple random starts or relief pitcher appearances here and there. You can beat any team. And it wouldn't even take uh, much for that to happen. Well, on that note, uh, I guess we can wrap up this portion of the the show. We've looked at all 20 teams now, uh, and it seems like, you know, there's uh, some good, some bad, and some in between. But uh, I think we can just sort of take a general look at the the playoff picture now. And I think it's easiest to do this uh, starting by conference. Uh, So in the Tough Customers Conference, uh, the two division leaders, as mentioned already, are Jeremiah and Cam. Uh, and then the next teams in order uh, are Jathish, who's got the conference wild card, Garth M, who's got a general wild card, Nick Ryan, respect for the game, Aiden Ash, and Akusia. So, assuming that four of these uh, teams make the playoffs, uh, who do you guys see it being? Um, I'm going to go with myself, Cam, Garth, McKinnis, and Ryan. Yeah, that seems fair. Um, I might take Jatish over Garth McInnes, but it's yeah sort of a coin toss at this point. Selfishly, I'm going to take Jeremiah, Cam, Jatish, and myself. 
Uh, I think I'm going to displace Garth M when all is said and done. I think that would be really fascinating because like three teams from our <laughs> from our division, um, I guess. So it'd be interesting. Uh, I think we might have lost Hillo again. Uh, so I'm just going to go ahead and move on to the other conference, the Flex Fox family. Uh, we got our two division leaders, Flex and Tillo. Uh, next up, we've got Mike holding down that conference wildcard. Then we've got Jamil, Garth Newton, Chris, Ian, Arcare, Lim, and finally Chow. So this one's like five teams for four spots? Or is it, or am I bad at math and it's four for four? It's basically five for four, depending on how you count Garth, N, and Jamil. Uh, so like obviously Flex, Mike, or Locks, and Tillo as well. Um, I think at this point. So then you have one spot between Jamil and Newton. And uh, God, I, I can't believe I'm going to say this, but it's tough to bet against Jamil. So I'm going to go with Jamil, I think. I think I've already given my... Right, you did say <laughs> that. Be- uh, so I think if you look at division leaders, right now Tillo is the most vulnerable in my opinion. Uh, I can easily foresee a, a situation where Jamil passes him uh, and takes control of the division. So I think I'm going to be uh, a little bit bold and predict that Flex and Jamil win their respective divisions, and then Mike and Garth N uh, take the last two spots, and Tillo falls out of the playoffs. Uh, and I really wish he was here right now to react to this. How many would he have to lose to fall out, though? He would have to lose like the rest of his matchups to have a losing record uh, with 10 wins. Yeah, I mean, I I can see a situation where he goes either one and five or two and four and doesn't quite make it in the end. That's a hot take. Uh, so finally, uh, before we put this whole episode to bed, uh, I think we all know that Ian is the gambler. He's the odds maker. Uh, but I've gone ahead and made some odds of my own. Uh, and just for a fun little wrap-up exercise... Uh, at first, I'm going to give you uh, some odds, and you just tell me whether you're taking that action or not. Just general, whether you think you know it's a, it's a, a good bet or not. Uh, and so the first up bet is two to one odds that Jeremiah completes an undefeated regular season. I take that. I take his schedule's easy. Uh, I think personally, it's very tempting to take that, but I wouldn't just on the basis that there's effectively a third of the schedule remaining. Uh, and enough fluky stuff happens in fantasy baseball that it's it's not hard to see Jeremiah losing one for just really dim reasons. That's fair. Uh, so next up, five to one odds that the top uh, the eight teams that make the playoffs will not be the top eight teams overall in terms of points. Uh, just for the record, uh, at present, uh, there is uh, they are the top eight points teams in the playoffs. Uh, but that would change if uh, Garth N replaced Garth M. Uh, sorry, let me say that again. Garth Newton replaced Garth McInnes in the playoffs uh, uh, on conference wins, theoretically. Uh, then that would change that. But uh, right now, the the oh, whoa, I'm I'm totally wrong. Garth uh, Ryan is uh, got far more points than Garth McInnes and is not in the playoffs right now. Um, I take I take that easily just because Ryan. Yeah, like you said, it's more than 200 points up and games back. I won't take that, and I won't take it because I think Ryan's going to make the playoffs, so that would put all eight teams in, right? Yeah, I didn't realize the Ryan situation is what it is, but I guess it really depends whether you think Ryan is making the playoffs or not. He is. It's happening. 
there you go. Uh, next up, 10 to 1 odds that two or more teams currently holding playoff spots fail to make it into the playoffs. Uh, so we already sort of went blow by blow on who we think is going to make it from each conference. But uh, for 10 to 1 odds, would you say that two of the teams currently in spots aren't going to make it? So basically, do Garf Newton, me, Unic, or Ryan, uh, two of those teams get in pretty much. Yeah. I wouldn't take that. Um, 10 to 1 is very long odds. Uh, but I think there's enough. Like, if one team does well, that's going to be because they're beating other teams. Then it just won't work that way. I mean, I, I think I would take it only because last year we saw a bunch of variants heading into the final couple weeks. So I think it's not unreasonable to think that two teams could swap out. So Yeah, I think I would also take that uh, for similar reasons. Like, there's just a, a lot of tight competition for those wildcard slots. And it's not unreasonable to think that Garth M and Jamil both won't make the playoffs. So for 10 to 1, I, I would do that. Uh, next up, for 25 to 1 odds... Uh, Chow plays his way out of the vase. Uh, and I will say that with the, the sort of caveat or, or for your information that if Chow had indeed beat Jamil last week because of tiebreakers, he would no longer have held a vase slot at present. Ah, this is so hard because you don't know if he's going to keep tanking on purpose. If that becomes you know, a threat. I think if he was trying, I would take that. I think Chow tries every week. No, I'm just kidding. I don't think that. Um, I won't take it. I don't think he tries uh, consistently enough to make that that bet worth it. Uh, I I think I will take it just because there have been enough examples of Chow trying or not winning sort of fleeky matchups that it's totally possible to see him winning a couple and sort of foiling himself in the end. Uh, But so our last... Uh, or I guess second last odd, uh, 100 to 1 odds, big money on this one, that uh, the very long shot odd that one of Trout or Kershaw is traded before the trade deadline. Would never take. Minsky would only do that if he was like body snatched or something. I'll take it. I was offered Kershaw today. Um, so I think if there's a will, there's a way. But I think someone would have to overpay for that. And uh, at 100 to 1 odds, why not? Yeah, I'm back, by the way. Uh, hello. <laughs> hey, internet issues. Uh, but yeah, I would. if it was going to be someone, it would be Kershaw. And I would take that bet. That's good odds. Uh, I do see a situation where Kershaw could potentially be traded. And it's been a, a weird year for Mike on the whole. So who's to say that weirdness doesn't extend to making these trades? But, I mean, let's get back to reality here. Kershaw and Trout are both going to retire as members of the Illuminati. So I, I really don't see this being a, a worthwhile bet. I wouldn't be so sure. I mean, Kershaw's not even a top three pitcher anymore, in my opinion. Like, he doesn't have the god complex he had even two years ago where he was just, like, head and shoulders above everybody else. I think Mike sees that. So, uh, so for our final question uh, of the episode... Uh, I've drawn up some odds just for who's going to be league champion, champion of the league this year. Uh, you guys can see this in the, the podcast window, but I'll read it out for everyone listening at home. Uh, so the odds are uh, that I drew up uh, three to one for Jeremiah, five to one for Flex and Kaminsky, 10 to one for Cam or Tillo, 
15 to 1 for Jamil or Jathish, 20 to 1 for either of the Garths, 30 to 1 for myself or Ian, 50 to 1 for Chris and Ryan, and 100 to 1 for the field, which is everyone else, uh, namely Aiden, Ash, Akusia, Respect for the Game, RKR, Lim, and Chow. Uh, let me repeat that real quick Jeremiah, 3 to 1, Flux and Kaminsky, 5 to 1, Cam and Tillo, 10 to 1, Jamil Jathish, 15 to 1, Garth, 20 to 1, myself and Ian, 30 to 1, Chris and Ryan, 50 to 1, and the field at 100 to 1 odds. So uh, for you guys on the podcast, uh, in a hypothetical experiment where you guys had $10 to bet on whatever odds there you chose, how would you be dividing up your 10 bucks? And please just don't put it all on yourselves because that is bad audio. Okay. Um, so I would put $2 on myself just because how do you not bet on yourself? Um, but I think if you wanted like a value play, I think you could put like 3 bucks on like Cam or Tillo at 10 to 1 is probably good odds. Um, but I would put half my money on Ryan at 50 to 1 just because I think if I'm going to carry this take through that he makes the playoffs, I mean, I can see a scenario where he gets hot, knocks off a couple teams, and he's in the final for uh, for 50 to 1 odds. Like, why not? I can appreciate the consistency, but pissing your money away. So I guess I'll go next. Um, yeah, like Jeremiah said, the odds for Cameron myself to win is pretty good. We're not that far off from Flex and Kaminsky, I think. Um, if I were to bet, I'd probably bet $10 on Jeremiah. Either that or do like a five on $5 on Cam, $5 on myself. Because I think those are the best odds. Yeah. Um, I think I'd put $8 on Tillo and one on Flex and Kaminsky. Um, just because if I understood the playoff matchups correctly now, uh, Tillo will face one of those two. And I think Tillo's 10 to 1 odds are this. Like, he's much stronger. Put him at like 6 to 1 or even 5 to 1 of like here. Um, but if he does lose, it'll probably be one of those. Two. So that's why I put a dollar on. Uh, for myself, uh, the odds maker normally doesn't participate, but uh, I would say I'd put some good money, uh, maybe 5 bucks on Flex and Kaminsky, because I feel like whoever emerges from that fire is going to be stronger than ever. Uh, I'd put a buck on myself because why not? Uh, and I would probably put uh, two bucks each on the Jamil Jathish or Garth combo because, I mean, presumably some of those teams are indeed going to make the playoffs and the ones that do are probably going to be the hottest ones and going to come in with a, a lot of steam. And that probably means that they've got a decent shot of pulling off a first round upset and going for beyond that. So and looking to maximize my money, that is uh, my betting strategy. Uh, but I think that's just about going to do it for this podcast. Uh, I want to thank all you guys, uh, Jeremiah Stads and the icon, uh, Richard Tillo, for being part of this podcast. It was a lot of fun. Uh, it was a good review for me personally to look at where all these teams are at. And hopefully the, the league enjoyed listening to this, uh, this special episode. They definitely did. <laughs> Thanks, guys. But uh, as we always say at the end of these episodes, good night and good fantasy.